poet and writer Rainer Maria Rilke said a lot of great things, some great in their truth, some great in their despair, some great in their confusion. Most famous for his letter to a young poet, Rilke talks on all sorts of topics, most profoundly, love. This week, I'd like to share three lessons on love from Rainer Maria Rilke. Rilke took relationships and love seriously. He said, For one human being to love another, that is perhaps the most difficult of our tasks, the ultimate, the last test and proof, the work for which all other work is but preparation. Relationships are about love, but at a deeper level, they reveal to us the heart of life, and perhaps even offer our best opportunity to know something like the presence of God. One theme Rilke returns to over and over again, and I'll share as the first lesson, is that we must be ready for love. The first lesson of love is that you must be ready yourself to achieve it. Rilke says, Believe in a love that is being stored up for you like an inheritance, and have faith that in this love there is a strength and a blessing so large that you can travel as far as you wish without having to step outside it. We must be prepared for love. This is backwards from my early beliefs about love. I was just waiting around, hoping someone would come around and knock my socks off. Love wasn't mine. It was something I had to be given. Looking back, the love I had to give in return wasn't all that impressive either. A slobbery, devotional kind of love that reeked not of inspiration and admiration, but of codependence and fluff. Rilke's first lesson is telling us something very different. Love is a space. It is something we cultivate in willingness that then and only then can translate into relationship with someone else, who at its best we meet with that same level of willingness. I love what the Buddhist teacher Sherry Huber said. She said, be the person you want to find. One of the greatest mistakes of romantic love is looking for the right person instead of looking to be the right person ourselves. Rilke's rule isn't all sweet. It's challenging. He says, if your daily life seems poor, do not blame it. Blame yourself. Tell yourself that you are not poet enough to call forth the riches, for to the Creator there is no poverty and no poor and different place. For Rilke, love is not a magic that comes to possess us. It is something we earn. To live a life of creative living, loving, and being, we have to participate. Rilke's second lesson on love is, Love is about supporting your partner's individuality. What a profound idea. In my early love life, love was about finding someone to be with me so I didn't have to be alone. It was to make our lives one so in a way we would no longer have to be ourselves. Rilke believes something very different than that. He shares, The point of marriage is not to create a quick commonality by tearing down all boundaries. On the contrary, a good marriage is one in which each partner appoints the other to be the guardian of his solitude, and thus they show each other the greatest possible trust. A merging of two people is an impossibility, and where it seems to exist, it is a hemming in, a mutual consent that robs one party or both parties of their fullest freedom and development. But once the realization is accepted, that even between the closest people, infinite distances exist, a marvelous living side by side can grow up for them. If they succeed in loving the expanse between them, which gives them the possibility of always seeing each other as a whole and before an immense sky. My wife might get mad at me and think I'm being a jerk when I say it, but it's true that I often love her more when we are apart than when we are together. Not that I don't adore her when I'm with her, but when we are in our own spaces doing our own things and those distances feel mutually supportive of one another, it's then that I feel most in relationship with someone that I love. 
At heart, I want the result of my relationship with my wife to be about supporting her and being the best who she is. That's what would make me more proud than her being the best partner to me. Yes, I love it when she does nice things for me, and there's nothing I value more than shared time and experience with her. But the best testament of our marriage for me would be her being the best her, and in turn finding I've become the best me. This was why I think for me the number one rule I had when wanting to find out if April was someone I wanted to marry was: is she committed to her own thriving? That's a rule I have for myself too, of course. But I wanted to know that about her. That doesn't mean she has to be a career-hungry person or a hyperactive busybody, but it means for me that she's committed to her own life's expansion, her personal deepening, and her ever-growing in love. I recall dating a woman, and she and our relationship was perfectly fine. We had a lot of fun together, but something fell off. Sitting and having a drink one evening, I realized it. What she wanted her relationship to be about at heart was someone to enjoy life with. That was perfectly noble, but it wasn't me. I think I realized too that I could be just about anybody, and that would probably be cool with her. Yes, I wanted to enjoy life with somebody too, but ultimately, for me at least, love thrives with a commitment to growth. Without heat, there is no fire. A final lesson on love from Rilke: Love is about letting go. We need, in love, he says, to practice only this: letting each other go. For holding on comes easily. We do not need to learn it. Let's not take that literally. If we do, we could define ourselves as professional speed daters. That being said, in my experience, love is letting go, experiencing the fullness of a romantic moment, watching children grow from who they will never be again and into the mystery of who they are becoming, saying goodbye in the morning and sharing a kiss goodnight before sleep. Love is letting go. Yes, there is little more comforting than knowing my wife is there with me, and for me. And that I will spend more time with her than anyone else in my life, but at the same time, the ability to not hold on allows love to blossom. Holding on suffocates love. It causes us to practice not love but fear. It causes us to try and keep things the same and not grow. It causes us to avoid challenging discussions and opportunities for hard but sometimes needed change. Perhaps most importantly, holding on causes us to be forceful, which never works with love. Love with too much force becomes a set of rules that quickly snuffs out love. It makes love supposed to instead of getting want to. And when love is an ought to, you're in trouble. Love is about a willingness. It's about a continued release. It's a consistent surrendering to greater powers. This is what I think Rilke meant when he said, "The purpose of life is to be defeated by greater and greater things." Life is about always surrendering to greater ideas, greater opportunities for growth, greater causes than just ourselves. Here are three lessons on love. Lesson one: Ready yourself. Ready yourself for love, like a single person getting ready for a date, even if it is a date you've been on a hundred times before. Prepare for love and never stop preparing for more. Lesson two: Give space. Love is not about taking someone else's space and making it your own. It's about enhancing their space so that your partner can become even more themselves within it. Yes, there's always a risk that they'll leave you out of it, but love is always a risk. Otherwise, it would not be so precious. Giving someone else space should ultimately enhance your own as well. Lesson three: Love is letting go. Ask yourself where you are holding on in your love life, and really inquire if this holding on is creating new love or impeding new love. Ask yourself where you're being called to release, to allow, and to be willing to grow, and inquire: Would doing these things rob me of love or bring me into a greater love? Be ready. Give space. 
let go. I think Rilke is perhaps so profound on love because he sees that learning about love happens not just through its triumphs, but through its difficulties. The difficulty not having to do with our wrestling with our partner, but at a deeper level within ourselves. He says, What is required of us is that we love the difficult and learn to deal with it. In the difficult are the friendly forces, the hands that work on us. Right in the difficult we must have our joys, our happiness, our dreams. There, against the depth of this background, they stand out. For the first time, we see how beautiful they are. My wish for you is that you choose to live a life of love, not just when encountering life's wonders with another, but just as much, if not more, in the little opportunities for challenges every day. Embrace them. See them not as that which is holding you back, but as those opportunities to set your love a little more free.